You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Hey, there's the music. That means it's time for Animal Talk. Helping you with your pets. That's what we're, we're here to do. Like the guy sitting across from me. Hi, Jamie. I'm Brian Donovan. <laughs> he is an animal behaviorist. My name is Jamie Flanagan. Just making sure everybody has a good time. You keep the whole thing together. You're like the glue. <laughs> just, I swear, you yeah, know what? I, You're more like the paste. I was going to say, it's <laughs> sticky in here for sure. But <laughs> thank you. It's uh, quite the compliment. <laughs> Uh, fun show today. We got uh, some fun pet questions we're going to answer, naturally. That's kind of what we do. And then uh, a little bit of news. All right. Send in the clowns. And uh, and we're going to talk about the Iditarod, right? Is that going on right now? It is going on right now. Ah. And we got a connection in uh, Alaska. We do. And, uh, yeah, Robert uh, Fortu is going to chime in. And uh, he's got a, a little radio show of his own called Dog Works Radio, and they talk all about the Iditarod. I believe he has dogs himself. Really? So, yeah, we're going to talk to Robert and find out uh, what's going on in the Great White North. Wow. So, that's yeah, awesome. That's coming up at the half hour. And uh, naturally, uh, all the pet questions. Sam is here. Oh, hi. Hey, Sam. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for being here. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Sam, I didn't even see you sitting over there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so well-behaved and... Uh, <laughs> She's a good one, for sure. Ha ha. <laughs> so uh, we could just dive right into it, really, if, if you wanted, Brian, and, and, and help somebody with a, a pet question that they have. I'm a toe dipper myself. I'm not a diver. <laughs> I missed brunch the other day. You guys threw oh a, a brunch. Jamie. Yeah. Uh, I was, yeah, why wasn't was I there, invited? Was there, like, bacon? Well, was there, like, a lot of bacon? I was praying for bacon. Here, here's... Uh, Next one you will be, because yeah. I was nervous, Sam. <laughs> I was really nervous. Yeah. And I just threw it out there to a few people that I thought might come and, and not be too judgmental. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I made I made the brunch myself. Yeah. Well, Lauren helped me. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think it was successful. Yes. Because it started at 1030, <laughs> and the last person left at 9 o'clock at night. I saw Mike's brand. He said, this was the longest brunch Ever, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's so, uh, that's my kind of brunch. I uh, I didn't account for the the fourth course, sure, in in brunch. So um, yes, no, it was great. So now I have my confidence yeah. with this um, making food for people. It's laid back. Just bring yourself. It's going to be it's it's fun. Well, it's I had to be. Fun. I had to do the radio thing. So I, it was like in the exact brunch time that I was I was there. So You're I'm sure you guys were. Listening. That's not going to be the case so. every Sunday. No, is it? so it's not. So yeah, okay. I'm not, I, 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 what about you, Sam? What about me? What? Are you going to be able to come to future brunches? Yes. The second Sunday? Yes. Sister? He's got a, he's got a banner. Why second they, Sunday? They made a banner with their little emoji faces oh, on really? it. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think my, I saw it. With my bitmoji, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Lawrence, yeah. That's so wonderful. Oh, but yeah, I just uh, appreciate the offer. It sounded, yeah. looked like a rip-roaring good time. Oh, man. It was, uh, it was, it was fantastic. It was something about brunch. Yeah, it's it's just relaxing. Saw <laughs> Sunday brunch with nothing better. What do you eat for brunch? Well, that's that's the thing. I I had to Google uh, brunch recipes. What the devil do you do for brunch? So usually you do something sweet, something savory. Sure. Uh, you you serve it with fruit, mimosas. Mm. You have a oh. Bloody Mary bar. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, Sam Nork. You just. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Sam. But it worked. It it, it worked. Yes. So mm. uh, next next. Uh, well, actually, actually, uh, a little bit of a heads up. Sure. The second Sunday 
of that's uh, you're going to be still out of town. I'm going to be in Costa Rica. Costa. Oh yeah. Rica. So I'm. Uh, so it'll be actually the third Sunday next. Okay. But you'll get you'll you'll get a heads up. Yeah. You'll sure. Get the, you'll get the invite. Something is not working. What's that? It's potty training for these people. Uh-oh. Dear Animal Talk. Yep. So, uh, potty training question from Fuzzy Butts Mom. Fuzzy Butts Mom. (laughs) Just got a puppy a couple days ago and started on potty training. Have her crated at night while gone and uh, in the crate for a couple hours during the day so she can rest. First crate was too big and she peed in it. Mm -hmm. We got a smaller one and going to try that out and see how it goes. We take her out as soon as she wakes up. And about 15 minutes after she eats or drinks. Any, and anytime she starts sniffing around, looking like she's looking for a place to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to us, she had never been a, on a collar, had never had a leash on, mm-hmm. uh, and had never been in a crate. So this is all new to her all at once. Uh, how are we doing with this transition uh, for our puppy? Uh, so far, it sounds like they're doing a lot of things right. Um, you might want to uh, look at the feeding schedule. So make sure that's down to a science. You, you, you know what? You, you got to take a military approach to this. You know, yeah. in, the, in the military, everything is scheduled. Everything is – there's only one way, right? Right. It's the military way. It, you got to do the same thing with, with feeding and, and uh, creating your, your puppy. Get a really consistent schedule with everything. Then as the dog gets older, then, you know, he'll it, it, develop the habits and you don't have to uh, worry so much about being, um, being beholden to a, a schedule. But feed the dog at the exact same times every day. Take him for a walk at the same times. Put him in the crate at the same times. Don't use the crate for punishment. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, you're doing a lot of things right. That sounds so, yeah. yeah. So it, it seems like they're on track. Oh, so absolutely. They yeah. just they were just looking for a- affirmation. So anything yep. that they they missed, um, I I don't think they did. Yeah, like, I'll, know, I'll give them an amen. <laughs> amen. So here's another one. Uh, you know, we had the same problem with uh, with Sam Nork when she first yes. started. Oh yeah, we're on the show. She was at another radio show that let her just let her run wild. So she peed <laughs> everywhere. You know, so we had the crater for a while. <laughs> I got another one here. Dear Animal Talk. There's a letter in your mailbox. And this one is about a kitty cat. Should I cut her nails? My indoor-outdoor cat loves to climb trees. I'm afraid of cutting her nails. It might make her fall. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, first of all, cats, outdoor cats, um, if cats outside enough climbing trees, you probably don't even need it. Yeah, you don't even need to get uh, do the nails. Yeah, but I don't think your your cat's gonna fall out of a tree <laughs> more than once. <laughs> more than once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that wouldn't be a, a a big concern of mine. It would uh, cats cats are are uh, you know they 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 know how to find their feet. Sure, they, they can they 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 land on their feet. And they they usually that's not something you have to worry about. Um, now, uh, one thing you, you do have to worry about with mm. an outdoor cat mm. is making sure that uh, you know parasites. Yep. Uh, up to date on its shots, you know. There's all sorts of things that could happen out there. Dietary things, tapeworm, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, feline AIDS, the yeah. FIV mm-hmm. is uh, very prolific. Mm-hmm. The feline leukemia, that's yeah, they can get that. So that's uh, you know, the the nails are are the least of the concerns yeah. really. And cars, heck, if you live in like a you know an urban area or yeah. a, a town, I mean, uh, you know, cars take out a lot of cats. So you know. <sighs> uh, they love it outside. It's it's good for them in the sense that you know it, it keeps their uh, 
Uh, you know, they're, they're predators, so they like yeah. to chase things, and cats love it out, outdoors. But there is a price to pay sometimes. Yeah. And that, it kind of goes to the question is like, oh, declaw or not? And this person, you know, didn't declaw their cat, even yeah. though it's an indoor cat most of the time. Um, I've always been I've I was always like a front declaw guy. Uh, okay. Well, for an indoor cat, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but some people are like, "Oh, it's you know, it's torture. You're hobbling the kitty," and it's like, "Well, yeah, you know." Uh, and and Percy, our our cat, uh, he is he's shredded two couches. Mm. Uh, and Colleen, yeah, Colleen was like. You know, she just she bought, and then now she's purchased because we had this uh, big Super Bowl party, and so she bought two new couches. Mm -hmm. One one kind of just a throwaway one, and and then the other one was a a nicer couch. And and she put it out uh, because one of them sits kind of in the middle of the room, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the one that gets whatever, whichever one's there is the shredding post for our little freak of natures. And I'm like, we got to get some, you know clawing things for him because she was like we're not declawing the cat and i'm like all right you know you're the you know what what mama says goes yeah. you know so all right we want to claw the cat and uh but he he did this he's probably four now and uh so at four years of age i i she was like that'll never work that'll never work and uh i got him to use the uh cardboard scratchers oh, and okay. he's, he's not clawing the furniture anymore so 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 the, the um so you didn't declaw the fronts on the, on this cat no i didn't um, i didn't i didn't so because colleen didn't want to so yeah. uh but you know people who are thinking about it and it, think it, oh it's mean or whatever yeah, yeah. well it, putting them in the shelter and having them put down is yeah. even meaner but uh <laughs> you know um I, I watched a documentary this this woman who she raises uh cattle for uh for, for meat, right? Mm-hmm. And she's very organic, and uh, she treats them really well. And right, right. they're like pets. Mm-hmm. And you know the uh, um, you know the, so the question is, you, you you love these cows? How can you slaughter them? Sure, right? yeah. And her whole mantra is, these cows have one bad day in their whole life. <laughs> <laughs> one bad Man. day. So when you're thinking about you know declawing your cat. It's just one bad day. This is one bad yeah. day. He's so, going so terrible. And if it's a kitten, 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 we do them when you get them fixed when they're little bitty babies. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. it's less of less of a traumatic thing and and yeah. an easier process but for the indoor pets. Yeah, they have they have a cushy life. Yeah, so they have one bad day at the vet where they're <laughs> a little bit of a you know. Stupor because they're, uh, you know, <laughs> coming out of <laughs> another, the anesthesia. Another question here from Holden69. Uh, why don't they sell mouse-flavored cat food? <laughs> That's random. No, I'm not really, but. <laughs> We're throwing this one to Sam. Why don't they sell mouse-flavored cat food, Sam? Because people don't know what mice taste like. Oh, but- boom. Ah, ah, I, I, so what you're thinking is it, it appeals more to the people. Yeah, cat, well, right? because yeah. they they have like tuna and like fish. Obviously, mm-hmm. we know what that's tastes like. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, did my Girl Scout cookies come in? What's... <laughs> uh, all right, so um, that was random. Uh, that's all it takes for me to lose my train of thought. I yeah. have no idea what we were just talking about. We were talking about food tasting. Yeah, food. Yeah, you know, there's there are a lot of uh, a, a lot of products that are actually. Um, a lot of products that are actually marketed more to the owner than right. to the to the the pet. Uh, for instance, you know, um, it wasn't long ago that uh, gravy came out for uh, for dog food, and um, you know, of course, dogs don't need that. It's more, you know, for the uh, the pet owners. Yeah. You know, oh, this, well, this is what I like, so maybe my dog likes this stuff too. Yeah. So yeah. I've tried dog food; it is not good. <laughs> We're all on the street, right? What's that? We're all on the street, right? No. 
Oh, do you have a silver SUV in the parking lot? Parked I do, like crap? I do not. Okay, fair play. No. Oh. Nope, well, no worries. I'm in a parking spot. Yeah, we're at a podcast. We're at Podcast Detroit, uh, and there's like four studios in here. And Thursday nights are, are bumping at the yeah, Podcast they have Detroit. Like five there's parking a, spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like up to eight hosts on a show. We've have it's just you and I sitting here holding hands, looking yeah. into each other's eyes all night. <laughs> but in the other rooms, they have groups and groups of people, and it's a very small parking lot. And somebody's like quadruple parked and. Uh, she was trying to figure out who's quadruple. No, I actually found an honest-to-goodness parking spot in the parking lot today. Hello. Someone was just leaving. I took the spot. Really? And I, Perfect. I might just stay there all week. <laughs> I feel good. It's, it's, yeah, it's prime. I had to park in the street. I, I, had a, I got here early, so I had a, a, a lot spot as well. But, uh, yeah, so I got another question here for yeah. you. If you're so if you're so intrigued. Dear Animal Talk. There's a letter in your mailbox. All right. So a small breed dog. I'm searching for a small breed dog. I've had multiple others. Oh, I had multiple offers for pit bulls and pit bull owners who claims, oh, she's small for her breed. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. It still doesn't make her a small dog. Um I don't understand the mentality or rationale behind it. Uh, I'll be glad when I finally do find the right dog and I don't have to deal with people anymore. So, Brian, what is a good small breed dog? Well, you know, Jamie, the the AKC recognized, uh, I don't know, about 250 breeds of dogs. Mm-hmm. Worldwide, there's probably more like six or 700 breeds of dogs. Yeah. And they're all bred for different purposes. So just to say you want a small dog, man, there's lots of good small dogs, but what are you looking for? Yeah. What's your lifestyle like? Are you a busy person? Do you like to run around with your dog a lot? You know, you want to look at the the uh, terriers. Yeah. Um, if you live in an apartment and you don't want a barker, you know, dog yeah. that, that barks, maybe, uh, you know, a, a dog that's... <laughs> a Pomeranian ain't going to be it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And, th- and there's another concern. A lot of the small dogs yeah. have, uh, you know, really uh, thick, luxurious hair coats. Yes. Not unlike Sam Nork. Yes. Luxurious. Um, but, uh, you know, so that requires a lot of grooming. Right. Right. So do you... So there's a lot... There's a host of... Things. Uh, I mean, the the internet's real good for that, you know. Um, so it's not it's not so much. It's not just the size. That's a good start. Yeah. But um, you know, again, the te- you want to match the temperament you up with your life. King Charles Spaniels are, are awesome. Yeah, yeah, those are cool little dogs. Yeah. You know, uh, but but little again, does that mean under eight pounds or under twenty eight pounds? Right, right. You know? So the uh, the uh, the winner of the. Uh, uh, Westminster, Westminster, right? Uh, Bichon Frise, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Frise, yeah. Bichon Frise. Uh, what the heck was his name again? Oh, well, whatever. But yeah, uh, Bichon won that. Uh, Dachshund? Yep. Those are all, I love me some Dachshunds. Yep. They are <laughs> wonderful little creatures. Sure, Chihuahuas. Chihuahuas. I'm a tiny dog named Dixie. I have small feet which pitter-patter on the linoleum floor. You can hear my toenails in the middle of the night. My tag says I belong to the Johnsons, but they don't own me. They just feed me. They just part me one day. No one owns me. I'm Dixie the tiny dog. And in the middle of the day, I sit in the sun and I hear young children call me a wiener dog. Perhaps that's what I am. The Germanic term is dachshund, and I like that. I'm thin and I'm proud. No one can make fun of me. I can slip through the bars of a prison if I were ever incarcerated, but I don't know what I would do wrong. My body yields no evil inclination. I'm a pure wiener dog. 
My name is Dixie and I go dancing across the floor In the evening of the Johnsons when everyone's sleeping Sometimes I look for a morsel of food but they're so clean They're almost anal retentive in their cleanliness <laughs> habits And there's nothing for me But I don't despair Because I know tomorrow my Gainsburgers will be there And they will unwrap the plastic from them And feed me this succulent dish And I will eat And oh, I've watched the German shepherds With their long necks, their graceful necks Dipping into the toilet to drink whenever they want <laughs> To have a drink of cool water in that well But I must plead, I must beg, I must whine For Mr. Johnson to put out my bowl Or one of the Johnson boys to refill it after I drink it Because I'm Dixie the dog and I like water <laughs> Okay, same And in the middle of the night you can see me dancing A small Fred Astaire tap dance with my little toenails They go click, click, click against the linoleum And I run down the hall and I slide And the back of me goes in front of me Slowly <laughs> I'm long and I'm thin. I'm Dixie the tiny dog, and I like it. So I'm sold on a dachshund oh, now. Oh man, <laughs> that's uh, Peter Himmelman. He's uh, he is so that was ad libbed. He uh, what really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is he's he's a genius. He is a musical. Oh wait, he's that guy that you were genius. telling me about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's fantastic. <laughs> I just I, I love him, and I came across it years ago. I came across this song. I'll play. I'll pull it out every once in a while, just because I love it so much. If we're talking about small dogs, it's like Dixie's time. But like I said, he did that as, like on a lark at a radio station, just ad libbed, and like is it's on a promotional CD now, and like it, it it he gets requests for it all the time. He's like, I don't remember the song. He's like, so he had to go and learn it because he got requests for it so all the time. That's there was a station funny. in San Diego that would play it like all the time, and. Uh, yeah. So anyway, but he's out there making music and he's a, a, a motivational speaker as well. He's uh, married to Bob Dylan's daughter. Really? Oh. Yeah. 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 So he's uh, he married Bob Dylan's daughter. He's he makes music. He's it's really good. He's uh, interesting. I, he plays a place in Ann Arbor called the Ark. It's oh, a small I love that place. Folk kind of. Yeah. It's so nice. Venue, and he was there by himself. And at the beginning of the show, he passed out paper. Uh, just, you know, eight by 11 white paper and like the little five pack of crayons you get at the, you know, big voice, you <laughs> yeah. know, and uh, he's like, oh, draw something, you know, whatever you feel like your muse, whatever draws. And then like halfway through the show, he collected it and went through it and then like wrote songs about some of them. <laughs> and he's just like, he's just uh, out of his mind. There's a place uh, in, cause he lives in LA now and it's uh, something guitar shop. I don't know. I haven't been there, but uh, he'll play there. And like one day he's just, he went out, he's like, we're moving the show outside. And, and so somebody had a piano in a, in a, in a, in a flatbed outside. Cause he'd seen it on the way in and he's like, I'm going to go play that piano and do the show out there. And so everybody left the, you know, coffee shop, <laughs> guitar shop place. And, and wow. he it, impromptu show on the street. And he's just, he's just, he's like crazy. Um, <laughs> But just a mad, but a good kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that was Peter Himmel and Dixie, the tiny dog. Because we were talking about um, small breed dogs and what a good option might be for someone, CL, somebody. So <laughs> <laughs> they were curious about that. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, dogs for other specific purposes too. And we're going to have a guest coming up Woo. very shortly. Robert, we will probably – we get in the middle of something and uh, if, if Robert chimes in, just uh, go to him, Sam. And, uh, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Forto, Robert Forto. And he has a, a Dog Works Radio and he's up in Alaska. And uh, we'll find out exactly where when we talk to him. Uh, I didn't do a crap load of research because <laughs> I figured <laughs> Robert's going to be the expert on it. Uh, but the Iditarod's going on. And it's like a long thing. It goes on and there's all these different 
stages and and there's there's a lot to it. So it's like it's like Mardi Gras up there. I mean, they, there's a there's yeah. a, a ramp up to it. It's yeah, yeah. It's it's like a plenty uh, of ice luges. I'm thinking, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, plenty of ice sculptures and ice luges. But I'm hoping I'm you know you know the history of it though is a, a very important. Uh, very. It was like a relay, right? And it would they would relay like medicines, medicines, and yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because and they, didn't uh, Walt Disney have a, a movie about? Wasn't it Balto? Was it Balto the uh, Snow Dog? That's the wolf. Yeah, Balto. Yeah, it's oh. the white dog. That... Snow Dog. Oh, the white dog. No, well, with Cuba <laughs> Gooding Jr. No, no, that's, that's a cinematic good masterpiece. One. No, no. <laughs> it is. It's, no, it's good. called. It's called. We Balto. were supposed to interview Kubo for that, yeah. and then the reviews started coming in, <laughs> and he stopped doing all media. <laughs> Wait, was it was it that bad? I thought it was a cute movie. I mean, that oh, was yeah. also when I was oh, that like got, that movie 11. got tra- that movie got trounced. <laughs> oh yeah, Cuba Cuba cut all interviews on that one. <laughs> you know, if I'm not mistaken, there, actually actually the 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 movie's called Balto. Yeah, that's and, the animated movie, right? Yes. And and there is a yeah. a statue, I believe in Anchorage, uh, to Balto. Balto was the dog that got the vaccines through mm. when uh, no one else could. You know what? Let me. Let me make sure I'm not talking out of my ass here. Because <laughs> <laughs> we actually did that when we were talking. No, we were talking about cartoon dogs. And you came up with – we were talking about famous dogs yeah. that aren't real. And and we, I, I was giving a description of them and it was, it was Balto. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're absolutely right. And Why I was astounded because I had never heard about that before. Well, let me tell you about it. If I'm not mistaken, yes. as memory – Memory serves. serves me. <laughs> uh, Balto As was, me- and I'm thinking somewhere, uh, he was born somewhere on March 14th, 1919. Okay. <laughs> Roughly. <laughs> Roughly. Roughly. He was a Siberian Husky and sled dog who led his team on the final leg of the 1925 serum run to Nome, oh. in which diphtheria uh, antitoxin was transported from Anchorage, Alaska to Nanana, uh, Nanina, by train and then to Nome by uh, sled dogs to combat. Uh, uh, the outbreak of, of the disease. Balto was named after the uh, explorer Samuel Balto. Balto rested at the Cleveland Zoo until his death on March 14, 1933, at the age of 14. After he died, his body was taxidermied and kept in the Cleveland Museum of oh. Natural History, where it remains today. Oh, let's go see him. And Oh, here's the, yeah, the statue. There's a statue of Balto in Central Park. Oh, in Central Park. Central Park. Get out. Yeah. Is, it, is, it, there's an, is there one in Alaska as well? Uh, apparently not, but I thought, I th- yeah, well, I knew there was a statue somewhere. Yeah. But he's taxidermied and there's a statue. You know, I wouldn't mind being taxidermied when I pass on. No. A statue. Hmm? A statue Could would you? be nice, but I'd and then, you taxidermied. Know, with Trigger. You and Trigger. That's right. <laughs> uh, you found that information pretty quickly, Brian. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't, you know what you, you, you could have done? Hmm. You could have planted a tree while you were doing that. I planted a tree. You could have. Oh. <laughs> Our sponsor. Uh, if you're doing a search, right, mm-hmm. It's a there's a search engine that you can use. And these guys give back to the environment. It's pretty interesting. Ecosia, right? It's uh, – uh, where are we at? E-C- E-C-O-S-I-E. Ecosia.co. Ecosia.co slash Animal Talk. Uh, it's, a, it's a search engine, right? But the really cool thing about Ecosia.co, uh, for all the, the ads that they generate and the money they generate, they're planting trees. You know how many they planted? How, you, got the, you got the ticker going, yeah. let's go to the tote board. 23,047,695. Six, seven. It's go, it keeps going. That nine. That's how, 
Yeah. So ecosia.co, uh, E-C-O-S-I-A.co slash animal talk. And then they'll know that you uh, uh, heard about it through us when you go to do your search. But uh, yeah, ecosia.co and they're, they're planting trees. So they're giving back. It's just another helpful little search engine, uh, another way to, to wind your way through the internet and, and do a little good yeah. along the way. So uh, ecosia.co, we appreciate them. Uh, being a sponsor here on Animal Talk, and uh, we appreciate them planting trees in in our great oxygen. world. That's it, man. Woo! <laughs> Let's hear it for oxygen. Woo-hoo! We need more trees. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. I got another one here for you. It's quick. It's down and dirty. Help! This is from Pinky Gabor. Help! My cat and I need help. ASAP. They're doing an inspection on Thursday and Friday from 8 to 6. I have a cat, and my place doesn't allow cats. Uh-oh. I must go somewhere and hang out with her. Any ideas? Uh-oh. Oh my god! Oh uh, yeah, actually, Sam's house. Six? And this is Sam's not house. Sam in six A. <laughs> <laughs> Signed, not Sam in six A. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, so what do they do? Where do you go hide? <laughs> you got to hide your All right. So where do you go, Brian? Where would you go to hide your cat? I would go to. Um, there's a little coffee place around it called um, uh, the Looney Baker. Yeah. Little donut shop. That's where I would okay. go. Okay. Right on. Is there one right around here? Yeah. Okay. Well, around. Oh, around her, the Looney Baker. She should go there. In Livonia. Okay. <laughs> Fair play. There's uh, uh, we where we did uh, we did another podcast called the Man Cave Happy Hour. Yes. Where we uh, go to happy hours and, and break down craft cocktails, occasionally cigars, and uh, we were at Detroit City Distillery in Eastern Market. Yeah. It is a dog friendly bar. Indoor dog friendly. Oh, that's really? so cool. Yeah. So, but they don't, because they don't have a kitchen. They don't have a kitchen. Oh, we got a caller. So there we go. All right. So this is uh, Robert. I mean, four two. Yeah. All right. Hey, Robert. Hey, how are you? Excellent. Excellent. You're on the air with us, Robert. Animal Talk here in Detroit, broadcasting from the podcast Detroit Studios. And how do you say your last name, Robert? Forto. Forto. All right, I said Forto. Forto. All right, Robert Forto. Uh, thanks for thanks for being with us, Robert. You have uh, Dog Works Radio, and uh, you guys talk about the Iditarod like a lot, right? Yes, we do. We do our daily coverage every night, the first couple of weeks of March every year. Well, kind of give us an idea, Robert. This is Brian. Uh, Robert, let us know what what's the scene like. Uh, when you know ramping up to the Iditarod, and what's it all about? Is it just all about drinking, or is it uh, is there some seriousness to it? Well, there is some serious to it. I am a dog musher. I live up in the dog mushing capital of the world in Willow, Alaska, a community of about two thousand people, an hour and a half or so north of Anchorage. And the Iditarod is just a huge sport up here in Alaska. Right now, there are sixty five teams. In this year's race, approximately 1,800 dogs out on the trail, and they travel 1,049 miles from Anchorage to Nome, Alaska. Wow. Now, there's a lot of history to this, and, um, you know, every time, every year you hear some of the uh, animal rights people saying, oh, it's mean. How do you, how do you answer that? What do, you, what do you say to those people? You know, I've been a dog musher for 24-plus years, And I've had a lot of dogs in my yard come and go, and I can tell you with 100% absolute conviction that every one of them them that I've ever had 
has loved to run. If they do not want to run, if they don't want to participate, they will tell you, they will sit down and say, hey, bud, we're not doing this today. It is our day off. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, dogs dogs uh, love to run. So I think a lot of that is anthropomorphizing. People say, I wouldn't want to you know, run 1,000 miles in the snow. It's got to be horrible. But, uh-huh. yeah, the dogs that I've seen uh, that, are, that, that, that are bred and prepared for that, um, man, they, they like nothing else than to, uh-huh. to run their feet off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So what exactly it, – it, it is a long race. What is the duration, and, and how many legs are there, How and, and where are we at in the race right now? Jamie, the dog has four legs. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that, Robert. Jamie, yeah. uh, Jamie doesn't know a whole lot that, about <laughs> That's okay. Uh, the race starts the first Saturday in March, and we had a winner this year on Wednesday morning at about 3 o'clock Alaska time. So I guess that was about nine days to run that 1,000 miles. Uh, there are 20-plus checkpoints along the trail. Each musher is required to do one 24-hour rest and two 8-hour rests at some point during the race. So otherwise, they can uh, stop and camp or rest at any checkpoint or anywhere along the trail as they choose. Uh, there are still about uh, 50 or so mushers out on the trail, and most of them will finish probably by this Saturday, so almost exactly two weeks on the trail uh, from start to finish for uh, the slowest mushers. Wow. So the checkpoints, are, are these the places where the parties are and people are just uh, waiting for the mushers to come in and, and buy them a drink? Well, a little bit, yes. you got to remember, Alaska. most of Alaska is in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> so the first couple of checkpoints on either side are, are of course, where the people are, but most of them, if not uh, probably a majority of them, there are very few people at all. I know in one checkpoint in particular, the namesake of the race, Iditarod, nobody lives there during the off-season. It is literally a ghost town. It was a, a big mining camp where there was, I think, $3.5 million worth of gold in the early uh, 19th century, eight, eight, 20th century, excuse me. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of traffic going through then, but now absolutely nobody lives there at all. Mm. So the checkpoints, the dogs just head for the yellow snow, right? All the, all the people. <laughs> 1,800 dogs. Head for the, yeah, head for the yellow snow and head for the, uh, the straw that they uh, take naps in. And when I say camp, guys, for, for dogs at the checkpoint, that is strictly for the dogs. Uh, the, the mushers themselves are getting very little rest. Some of these guys do not sleep for the first five or six days until they can finally settle in and take that 24-hour rest. And it is just a battle from getting from, you know, point A to point B with as little rest as possible for the musher so they, they can, of course, win the race. What, what's, what does it take for some—I I think day after day, no sleep, cold, yeah. probably wet, you're fatigued. What kind of a person does this? What kind of a masochist is into this sort of thing? <laughs> You know, they they have got to be some of the toughest people in the world. Oh, I yeah. have not had the privilege of, of running Iditarod yet. I hope to qualify this year. Uh, our team focuses on long-distance expeditions with students at the local college. But I can tell you what, guys. I did a race one time, a 300-miler, uh, a few years ago, and I, I didn't have any sleep in four or five days, and I could have swore that a pterodactyl was chasing me down the trail. <laughs> and when I arrived at the checkpoint, everybody was, you know, standing around and talking. And they said, hey, were you guys chased by snowy owls on the trail? I said, 
I don't know about snowy owls, but I sure was chased by a pterodactyl. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, I tell you what, uh, sleep deprivation, it, it, it's a tough one to get over. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can imagine. Objects in rearview mirror may appear larger <laughs> than they seem. Yeah. Holy smokes. Right, right. So what's uh, um, give me an idea of of the uh, like the caloric needs of, the, of these dogs? They must go through a lot of food, real high fat, uh, high protein food. I would imagine. Yep, a, a racing sled dog eats anywhere from ten thousand to twelve thousand calories a day. They're wow. eating probably four or five meals a day, and what we make up is something of similar consistency to a very thick and hearty beef stew, and it has beef and chicken and fish and fat and other types of supplement, along with a very high-grade kibble, very similar to what most pet owners would feed their dogs, but it's almost rocket fuel compared to the average uh, pet food like pedigree or something like that. Sure, sure. Now, what's the ideal size for a sled dog? It's not necessarily the biggest and strongest dogs, right? Or or, or am I wrong about that? No, I would say probably the average size in a team is... 40 to 50 pounds, and a lot of them aren't necessarily the husky-looking dog that most people would think of if they think of movies like Iron Will or Snow Dogs or something like that. (laughs) These are much more sleek or uh, sleek, thinner hair, that sort of type compared to those really husky, wolf-looking dogs that everybody's familiar with. Sure. And, you know, if you're used to seeing, uh, you know, Westminster... You know, all those dogs, they're, they're only representative of other show dogs. I mean, a working golden retriever, for instance, has no resemblance in common with a, uh, with a Westminster, you know, show dog golden retriever. And, it, yeah, the, the same thing with the, uh, uh, with the Huskies. You know, yeah. it's, it looks like a different breed altogether, the dogs that are on the, on the sleds. Exactly. You know, back in the day, I used to uh, race sled dogs in mushing, and I also try to uh, present in the show ring with some of my sled dog Siberian Huskies. And I tell you what, guys, I was laughed out of the ring by those little old ladies that were showing dogs. They, they kept saying, what is that dog? That's not a Siberian. I said, ma'am, this is what a Siberian is supposed to look like. Right, yeah. a working dog. Now, do you use purebreds? Right. Or, or are, there, uh, are there hybrids that are, that are used that are considered more desirable for sled dogs? We have 38 sled dogs up in our kennel, and I think we have four purebred Siberians. They, they're, they're much slower. They're much bigger than the others. And, of course, the rest of them, what is that, 34, 33 of them are Alaskan Huskies, which is some type of Siberian along with something else. And it's sort of that Heinz 57 dog. You know, it could be um, uh, Greyhound or Pointer or Retriever or something in there to get that speed and stamina as well as that endurance that you're looking for in a good sled dog. Interesting. Interesting. So, Robert, what is on the sled? What, uh, what, is, what are these mushers taking with them on the trail? Well, you have to have some mandatory gear in your sled, and that includes a sleeping bag, an axe, a cooker to boil water for your meals, uh, dog booties, and a snow hook. But other than that, you're carrying things for your dog. And on, on my sled in particular, I have a little pouch on the top of my sled about the size of an oversized kid's backpack. And that's the only space I'm allowed to have for my personal human gear on the sled. Everything else is geared strictly for the dogs. I could never fit my my disco ball into that. No kidding, right? Yeah. Has that got Wi-Fi on that? Is that uh, right, no Wi-Fi. No Wi-Fi for sure. And, and you have to leave your iPhone at home. That's the uh, rule. Oh, okay. 
I imagine the uh, reception would be sketchy anyways, wouldn't it? Pretty sketchy, yeah. yeah. So how do you, okay, so you, uh, you can't, uh, no electronic devices for navigating? How do, how is it navigated? Well, they, they do allow um, some type of navigation now. Uh, you are not allowed technically to make calls at, you know, to your home base and, oh, you know, okay. get updates and that sort okay. of thing. But you're allowed um, rudimentary GPS units like oh. the Garmin's and that sort of thing to, to work you down the trail. But it is pretty well marked. Nowadays, the Iditarod Trail is, is almost like a highway compared to what it was in the early 70s where they were breaking trail on snow on snowshoes and walking through waist-deep snow and all that sort of thing. Now it's almost a speed race to get from Anchorage to Nome. Doing it in just eight days, where back in the day they were doing it in almost three weeks. So it's really changed over the years. So are the mushers carrying the food, all that food for the dogs, on the sled, or are they at the checkpoints? They at, they're at the checkpoints. Typically, you're only carrying your next meal on the on the trip. You know, whether let's say a checkpoint uh, is forty miles between each, so you'll probably snack snack or feed in the middle of that, and then of course right. you have uh, all of those um, uh, drop bags, is what they're called, with all of your food, next or supplies, waiting for you down the trail. Okay. So these uh, the the sleds are they are they modern carbon fiber uh, uh, whiz sleds? Or are they are they uh, this is made bamboo? Out of, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and, and whalebone. And... <laughs> They're they're a little bit of everything. We have guys out there that still use the more traditional wood-type sleds. Uh, One of my sleds in in our kennel is is the carbon fiber. It's actually made out of hockey sticks uh, for the – they're called the stanchions, you know, the uprights of the sled. Uh, There's all types of materials these days to make them lighter and more agile than they were before. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. So how many dogs um, do you have personally? We have 38 sled dogs in our yard, and they probably range in age from a year old to up to 14, 15 years old. Uh, what's the What's the best stage for uh, a runner? Uh, for a competitive dog, it's probably between that six to nine year mark. Uh, you know, before that, they're just coming into their own. And then, of course, as they age, they get a little slower, just like any other pet. They got to slow down as they get a little bit older in age. Wait a minute. Wait, six to nine years is when you're running them? Yes. Yes. That's, that's, a, that's a, remarkable. I would have, pretty typical. I, I would have guessed like uh, one, two years old. Six to nine. That's, that's an old dog. They got to learn a, the ropes. Wow. They, they breed they, that is an old dog. And, you know, I, I always tell my folks, especially my pet folks, these are not your typical house dog. We have 38 dogs in our yard. I think we've only been to the vet three times this year. Right. And, you know, nowadays people take their dogs to the vet for everything. Yeah. They throw up or have a little diarrhea. They're spending $500 at the vet. With <laughs> us, it's almost it's, it's a rarity to have to go to the vet because that genetics and that high-grade uh, food program that we're on, you know, we have to be mindful of the expenses. And if we were taking our dogs to the vet for every little thing, it would it would put everybody out of business. So we make sure that that uh, everything is well taken care of, and you know, the the vet is is the uh, is the last resort, so to speak. Speaking of vets, are there veterinarians along the course that check out the dogs and make sure uh, everything's okay? Oh yeah, there's vets from all over the world. Most of them are volunteers. 
We've had vets on the trail that have been doing it for 20 plus years. We have vets that, uh, you know, specialize in different things, whether it be, you know, emergency medicine or, or, you know, orthopedics or whatever. There's all sorts of vets and vet techs all along the trail, and they check out every dog at every checkpoint if needed. You know, Jamie, uh, we've been we've been talking 20 years. Yeah. Uh, we got to go up there and, and yeah, see Yeah, I know. Let's do it next year. I, I'm in. Wait, can I come? Sure. Robert, yes. can we stay at your house? <laughs> you you can stay at our house. We had seven people staying at our place this past weekend <laughs> uh, on our expedition, oh, yeah. and, and you're always welcome. And, hey, I've got a studio right in our office. We can we can do shows right from there. Oh. There you go. <laughs> it's getting hey, better hey, by Sam, the second. Sam, yeah. don't get so excited. He's going to tell you to grab a shovel and start <laughs> scooping crap. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, it is. It, it, it is room and board, so there might be a chore or two involved <laughs> if you come up. That's We're okay. In. Fair enough. Brian and I will cook, and Sam will scoop. <laughs> <laughs> there no, you go. we can trade. <laughs> right. So, uh, how many? Do, how how long have you been? How long have you been racing personally? I have been dog mushing since 1994. Uh, we moved up to Alaska in 2010, uh, up from the Denver area. Oh. I came up here chasing that crazy Iditarod dream, but I just can't figure out how to save almost 70000 bucks to make sure it happens uh, one year. It's a very expensive sport to be involved in. Uh, you know, I tell my wife all the time, if I didn't have sled dogs, I could have a sailboat and a plane and travel the world <laughs> oh and do all God. sorts of things if I didn't have those dang dogs in the yard sometimes. I'll tell you. So it's, uh, you said you needed to qualify. How does, how does one go about qualifying? Are there qualifying races, or is it you just have to meet a certain criteria? What, is, what, is it, what does it mean to qualify for the Iditarod? Yes, you have to have um, 750 miles of qualifying race experience and have a letter signed off by a previous Iditarod racer. Mm. And that means you have to have two 300-mile races and one 200-mile race in order to qualify. And I've done many, many races over my time, but I just haven't had the opportunity to do that many races in, in, in one year. You know, I've got a business and a family and everything else, and um, fortunately or unfortunately, the Iditarod has been sort of second fiddle for me. And I think now that the kids are grown and, and out of the house and in college, it's time to do some other things. And I think next year will be the year. Oh, that's awesome. So you said you're from Denver. Uh, you know, uh, friends of mine say they want to move up to uh, Alaska. And the first question I have is, what are you going to do up there? How do you make money? How do you make a living? So you're from Denver, Robert. Uh, you said you're a business owner. Um, so was it easy for you just to do whatever you do in Alaska? Or uh, what was the, the learning curve with trying to make a living up there? Well, you know, uh, we are dog trainers by trade. That's what we do to pay the bills. We had a dog training business in Denver for many years, and we just pretty much packed up the shop and moved it up here and offer basic obedience service dogs and the like up here with our business. But, you know, the economy up here in Alaska is pretty good. Uh, the biggest um, employer, I guess, is, is uh, the oil industry, even though oil is down now. There is a, a huge tourism business up here. Uh, every, everybody and their mother comes up in the summer on cruise ships and everything else to to visit our beautiful state. You know, it's a relatively strong economy, and a lot of people think, oh, my goodness, everything is so expensive in Alaska. That not, that's not necessarily so. Uh, we are making about the same that we made in Denver and live a very comfortable lifestyle. Oh, nice. Well, good. Yeah. That's good to hear. 
All right. So, Robert, tell us a little bit about Dog Works Radio. So you, you focus on the Iditarod. Um, how long does that conversation go? What do you talk about in the off season? Well, we have been on the air in one version or another on a podcast since 2009. Uh, during the off-season, we do basic dog training-type shows. We do a show that we call The Daily Dog, where we talk about a breed each day and give training tips and advice and that sort of thing. Uh, our Iditarod coverage starts right before the race. We do a nightly show, a nightly recap every day from start to finish. Uh, my co-host and I... Uh, each day to uh, profile a musher on the trail. And we focus a lot on sort of the no-name folks. You know, everybody, just like in every other sport, uh, the top guys get all the press, the Tom Brady's and, you know, the Danica Patrick's and all that in, in their respective sports. But little is known about the offensive linemen on the, you know, the New York Jets. So we try to concentrate on them uh, in a musher's profile and share their stories because they don't get a lot of press like the big guys do. Yeah. So who are, who are the standout? Who are like the top two or three in the mushing sport? Well, there are some dynasties in our sport. Uh, uh, Mitch and Dallas CV have won the last seven Iditarods, which is pretty impressive. That's a father and son wow. team there. Uh, we just had a, a brand new champion this year. His name is Jor Lisa Olsom from Norway, a young man that's up here on an athlete's visa, very similar to what a person from this training for Olympics, Olympics is on. He's only allowed to be up here for 10 years, and uh, he's been doing very well in Iditarod. This is his first win. Uh, in second place this year was a, a Frenchman named Nick Pettit. Uh, he is just a rock and musher. He's won the last uh, few uh, five or six mid-distance races this year single-handedly. Uh, we have some great women mushers up here. Jesse Royer from Montana is an awesome example of, of a dog musher. Uh, Allie Zirkel is another very famous woman musher. Didi Genro, uh, who is retiring this year after, I think, 33 I did a rod. That's one tough woman. For hey, sure. that's, if you that's your spot, man. 33 times. Get a letter from her. Right. <laughs> that's your spot. <laughs> that's my spot. And she, she lives right down the road from me as well. So I think <laughs> that she might be the one to, to contact. So out of all these mushers, uh, you said there were 36 teams. How many teams did you say uh, ran 60, this year? 65. 65, I believe. 65 teams. Um, so you, you profiled all these mushers. Was there one story that stuck out to you that was like really uh, either heart-wrenching or, or, or just an interesting story? Uh, you know, all of them are very interesting. There's a, a young woman that's running this year that uh, was living in Iowa and work as a, working as a waitress in some little cafe. And uh, she was delivering food to a table one time, and uh, something happened, and oil spilled all over, some type of cook, cooking oil spilled all over, and she got second and third degree burns. And at that point, she said, i got to readdress what I'm doing with life, and ended up coming up to Alaska for a trip and met up with a musher, and they started playing pool together. The next thing you know, they were uh, uh, a, a partnership in more ways than one, if I could say so. And, and now she's oh. running in the Iditarod and, and doing very well. Say no more, say no more. That's great. That's wonderful. That's right. So uh, the winner, you said uh, the one gentleman from uh, had won. Right? Norway. The, the guy from Norway won. and uh, But there's still people finishing the race. Right, so once somebody wins, yeah. it's not like okay, everybody go home. It's uh, they finish it up, right? 
Right. As as we speak, uh, mushers are coming in several hours apart. I think the last time I checked, about 15 mushers had finished. And like I said, the winter came in uh, yesterday morning, Wednesday morning at about 3 o'clock Alaska time. And, and there will be people out on the trail well into Saturday, maybe even late Saturday night finishing the trail the last uh the last mushers out there will, will make their way from anchorage to nome uh, several days behind that winning team oh that's just that's a it's a, it's amazing how long that that just trails on but we're dealing with a couple thousand miles that's uh that's <laughs> right pretty right. astounding uh dogworks radio is there a, a website there that people can uh tune into you and find you and follow you Yep, we are on dogworksradio.com. You can find our podcast just about everywhere on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play, whichever. We're out there. Just search for Dogworks Radio, and it'll pop right up. Robert, uh, we appreciate it. Anything else we need to know about the Iditarod that we didn't uh, ask you about? Nope, just follow the race. Uh, get excited. If, if people love dogs and you just love everything that they do, I think they'll find very inspiring, inspiring stories out there on the Iditarod Trail every March. Robert, uh, we'll, we'll, I, we're probably going to be in your living room next year doing this, so oh, yes. uh, definitely want to definitely want to chime in and uh, join you out there for that. We really appreciate you taking some time today to uh, clue us in about the Iditarod. Thanks, Robert. Hey, no problem. Invitation is open. Talk oh, to you guys yes. soon. All right, be well. All right, goodbye. Bye. Bye. Oh, my gosh. How fun is he? And he, 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 he's, he we just found his, uh, Brian just found his picture. He's got a big fluffy coat on a big uh, furry collar on. It's you know, great. You really have to respect someone who has a, who has a passion, goes yeah. for it, and it just like they, they live it and breathe it. Yeah. He's been doing this since 94, he said, and he hasn't run in the Iditarod yet. Wow. And it's But he still wants to do it. So I could never do that. I would actually die. What's your dream, Sam? You're young. You have an open heart. We're old and decrepit. Our, our dreams have withered and faded. <laughs> What about yours? <laughs> We're just cynical know. old guys. What 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 was your dream? What was my dream? Yeah. This. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Having headphones on and talking oh. into a microphone. This. This. I've reached the pinnacle. I'm I'm there. Uh, my dream came true. <laughs> <laughs> no, good friends, good people. That was my dream, and actually that's what this is. No. So uh yeah. so and I got more at home. Get to go. Get get to go home to some more. So mm. life is good. So uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah. So that was the Iditarod. I just because uh, I, so I, cool. I I follow that uh, Dogworks Radio, and and I they get more active this time of year in yeah. their posts and things. And I'm like, you know, because we always talk about the like I said for the last twenty years we've been talking about it uh and saying oh we should go check it out i do want to go and I'm, I'm, uh that's serious go. yeah yeah colleen's brother uh bernie um he lives there it it he he moved there i think it was like 19 or 20 and uh he just you know got out of high school worked here for a little bit saved some money and then just went and he was going to work there for a little bit hasn't been back yet really <laughs> yeah, yeah really wow yeah yeah so it's a good uh you know whatever we're you know, we're all in our fifties, late fifties. So he's been there for I don't do math. Well, you met uh, you met some years. Jason and Christina. Yeah, they're they're the ones that want to go uh, oh, to okay. Alaska. Yeah, yeah. She it's... works for a bank, and he's an engineer. And they're like, yeah, we're going. One day we're going. Oh. that's <laughs> that's adventurous. It just seems like a tough life. It, it, I have it, it so it, easy on my couch. Oh my god, I tell you, yeah, me and my I have a white cat. That's about all I got. <laughs> a white cat. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> 
All right, here we go. Here's another email. This one's from Fishy. Fishy? What kind of names are these? Fishy. Uh, I'm tired and, frankly, a little tipsy. <laughs> okay, same. No, just Cl- kidding. <laughs> Clive, my dog, has a lot of anxiety issues, uh, is kind of resting. But he is restless from the weather. Uh, rain, snow, wind, general yuck. Uh, I finally gave in and gave him some Xanax. But mainly because he refuses to come upstairs for bed anymore, and it's impossible <laughs> to calm him down otherwise. He refuses. Get up here. <laughs> we don't know uh, if this is physical or mental or both, quite possibly. Uh, but I plan to bring him up, bring it up at our next checkup, which is soon. He just walks around barking at every sound. I, I feel so bad. It, he's so uncomfortable, uh, but I can't control the weather, right? So the weather freaks him out. He just barks randomly at the weather. Um, and I have to teach in the morning, and I can't stay up all night. Eventually, I have to go to bed. Uh, how do I get Clive into bed and off the Xanax? Clive. Uh, I think there's some other name. things going on there. <laughs> Oh, don't give your dog Xanax. No. Yeah. Okay, one, don't give your dog Xanax. That's no. just wrong. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Just, probably. I wish Dr. Yvonne was here yeah. um, to, to uh, maybe Xanax is okay for dogs. Well, I, the thing is, if the dog is imagine. restless. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you want kind of to get a, get a tennis ball and throw it around the house. You know, Tire them out. Tire them out, yeah. Yeah, that's like that's that's some of the best advice for kids and dogs. Oh. Tire them out. That's what Caesar Milan. Uh, his his thing is he just he runs the pack. He just runs them. He goes yeah. out and just runs them ragged. They and need then, it. It's good for them. Listen to what Robert was saying about these Iditarod dogs. I mean, yeah, six to nine years old. They're still they're in, they're, they're in their peak. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That that just floored me. I had no yep. idea. Yeah. Well, you got to figure they got to learn the ropes, right? And they got to build up. They got to, they have, they have to have the stamina, stamina, stamina. I got you. Stamina for it. Do, 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 do. (laughs) Stamina. Do, do, do. Sorry. All right. So, uh, that wasn't even funny. (laughs) (laughs) Sam, Sam's here as our, as our, she threw a flag on the play. She's here as our governor. Not even funny. That was not even, there's dad jokes and then there's that crap. I if if I had a shot collar on, she would have shocked me. Yeah, I think that's the thing. No. I think you got to get shot collars on Brian and I. Uh, they just shock us when we're out of line. You know, you got to be careful with that uh, again. Sam, <laughs> stuff like that. You have to watch for incoherent ramblings like that because oh, that's yeah. usually right before a stroke. Okay, so, <laughs> so don't make fun of him. Watch him. Keep your eye on him. Okay. Make sure he doesn't. Uh, is it? Does his face look symmetrical? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, funny people. <laughs> funny, funny, funny. Hey, Jamie, are you? Yep. Going, you're not. Uh, okay, it's it's coming to the top of the hour. Uh huh. I'm getting nervous. Yeah. Oh, he's getting, getting nervous. sweaty. <laughs> Ask and you shall receive, Brian. <laughs> Was I really asking? It's <laughs> time for the bad animal joke of the week. Um, hey Brian. Hey Jamie. Why did the hunter name his sled dog Frost? Jamie, why did the hunter name his sled dog Frost? Because Frost bites. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, how do you tell if you have a stupid sled dog? I don't know. How do you tell if you have a stupid sled dog, Jamie? It chases parked snowmobiles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, wow, whoa, there's a lot of them. There's a lot keep of sweat going, dog keep jokes. Keep going, keep going. All right. Rapid uh, fire. <laughs> what do you do when you park your sled in a very cold weather? Uh, what's that? Plug in your dogs. <laughs> I, I don't even know what that means. I don't either. <laughs> Sam just had a laugh that had to come out. That's all. What's the difference between a sled dog and a mailbox? What's that? You don't know? No wonder they're not getting any mail from the Arctic. I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Don't that's funny. horrible. Who came up with that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Uh, that's it. So there's a lot of them in here. And then none of them are any better <laughs> than that. Uh, where, where do they, where do they train the sled dogs? Where? In the mushroom. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's it. Okay. Uh, I don't understand the male one. Yeah. It, it, well, if you don't it, know the difference between a what was a sled dog and a mailbox, mailbox, no like, wonder you're not getting any mail from. Or whatever yeah, no wonder you're not getting any mail from the Arctic. Yeah. yeah so. What? <laughs> wait, are they saying that they don't have mailboxes? Cause... <laughs> <laughs> oh wait. We don't. I don't know. I it's just don't think about it. Just it's, don't think. Okay. Don't think about it. Just let it be. Seeking words of wisdom. Just let it be. Oh, that's gonna do it. There, sure? there, yeah, I think I think we should stop now. <laughs> I really, I really honest, I honestly do. AnimalTalkRadio.com. That is the the website. Animal Talk Radio on uh, all the socials and uh, podcast Detroit. Uh, you'll find the, again. We're like Robert and uh, the Dog Works Radio. Thanks for him being here. We're on all the everything to Google Play, Stitcher, and iTunes, and and all that. So appreciate you tuning in. And we'll do it again uh, very, very soon. See ya. Woo!